are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Power to the Pod. Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. And today is Tuesday, October 27th. Your show, your questions, your topics, those are the rules for Power to the Pod. I don't make them, we just play by them. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi is made for those who play the game, It's made for those who watch it. Little developing story, breaking news, here on the podcast, uh, we're going to Miami. We're going to be at Sunday's game, live in person to his first start. Locked on Dolphins will be there for history. I look forward to taking it in, visiting Hard Rock Stadium, watching this game go down. And look forward to bringing you all of my takes in the aftermath of hopefully a win. Hopefully a Dolphins dub. But equally as important for the big picture for this franchise. Tua Tungavaloa's first start. I will be at Hard Rock Stadium in person. So very excited. So uh, if you're in town, let me know. Say hi. I know socially distanced hellos and all that kind of stuff. But nevertheless... Would love to connect with anybody who's planning on attending the game because I, for one, am very excited to be going myself. Monday Night Football last night, the Los Angeles Rams enjoyed a dominant victory over the Chicago Bears to move to 5-2 and two on the season and set up this clash between the Rams and Dolphins. And kind of the same mentality for why I had that it was good that the Seahawks were coming into the game against Miami as an undefeated team. Uh, The Rams are, under Sean McVay, very, very good coming off of a loss. Obviously, last night's game they were playing, coming off a loss from the week prior. And the win moved the Rams to 12-5 all-time under Sean McVay in the game immediately following a loss. So you really didn't want the Rams to be coming into a game against Miami with a sense of urgency that, hey, we're four and three. We got to right the ship. We got to turn this thing around. We got to figure everything out. Good football teams will be focused regardless. And I expect the Dolphins and the Rams will both be focused for this football game. There will only be one winner, or you might tie. I hope not. But the urgency coming off of a loss, Sean McVay is one of the best in the league. 12 and 5 as the head coach of the Rams immediately, the game immediately following the loss. So the, that layer will not be in play for this game between the Rams and Dolphins. That's a good thing for the Dolphins. How much of a quality win was a win over Chicago? I don't really know. Like, I'm trying to figure out how good the Rams exactly are, and I guess we're going to find out on Sunday. But you look at this team, and it's a self-described stars and scrub kind of approach to building a team. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey on defense, John Johnson, solid. Um, They got some quality role players. 
but they're not like overflowing with depth or a lot of overwhelmingly good talent. They got a couple high-end blue chip players and they complement those players with whoever else they surround them with. So you look at the Rams wins this season, they have four wins against the NFC East and now the Chicago Bears. And well, the Chicago Bears were five and one or five and two now. How good is Chicago? Well, they beat Detroit by four. Who's three and three, but kind of like not a good team. They beat the Giants by four. They beat the Falcons by four. Then they lost to the Colts by eight and scored 11 points. And then they had this miraculous, I think this was the Thursday game. Yeah, this was the Thursday game at home against the Bucks that Tom Brady didn't know what down it was. Otherwise, the Bucks probably would have won that game. And then they beat the rebuilding Panthers by a touchdown, and now they lost to the Rams. So, like, a win over a 5-1 and one Chicago Bears team is a quality win for the Rams, and it's their best win to date. But I, I still don't think this is like a juggernaut team, and I don't see any reason why Miami can't win this football game. When you take into account all the variables at play. But that is not what today is for. Today is for power to the pod. I got close to 50 Twitter questions. So uh, I don't know how many we're going to be able to cover. We're going to try our damnedest to cover as many as possible. Um, We'll start with the iTunes reviews. Especially because we have a long-time listener, first-time question from Prime Evil. This is a great show. Thank you. Just what I need out here in California. Thank you for listening. Do you think ownership and admin forced Coach Flores to start to it because of the reaction he got when he took the field for the first time? Why couldn't they wait so the Rams couldn't prepare for Tua instead of Fitzmagic? Much respect to Fitz from Cali Finn fan Jim Green. Um... As far as the timing of the announcement, I, I I don't want to speculate and suggest that ownership had anything to do with this change. Um, namely because Brian Flores has always kind of just marched to the beat of his own drum. He's not afraid of the court of public opinion. And he... He said this was an organizational decision, but I think you look at, and this is something he talked about in the summer. I was sitting in on on a press conference, he talked about this, and this really jumped out at me. He says you have to, to ask yourself not only what puts this team in the best position to win this week, but what moves do put the team in the best position to win like six, eight weeks from now. I think that's something that he acknowledged. And for a rebuilding team, especially at quarterback, this is the soft underbelly of a really difficult front and back end of the schedule. But the ceiling with Tua, there's no doubt, is higher. And the floor with Tua should be higher than what it is with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So if both those things are true, and this is the softer point in the schedule, you could say this is more of a long-term decision, not just for beyond 2020, but also within 2020. Um, And as far as the timing, listen, Brian Flores didn't call Ryan Fitzpatrick and call Tua to tell them because they have to tell them at the beginning of the bye week 
because that's going to change how both of those guys approach their preparations for the game plan. The game plan's going to change. You need as much time as possible within your own building to give that notice. Now, if this doesn't get to Adam Schefter, the Dolphins probably don't have it break on Tuesday. And the Rams probably do waste a little bit of time focused on Ryan Fitzpatrick. But wherever it came from, wherever the slip-up was, I have my suspicions based on the people that he told that he had to tell that there was going to be a quarterback change how this got out. Brian Flores didn't give Fitzpatrick and Tua their notice of the change with the intention of it going public and getting to Adam Schefter especially before it got to the team. That wasn't by design. So anybody who hammers the Dolphins and, oh, well, you know, they, they, they really bungled this. They really dropped the ball here. Well, did you expect them to have like a team meeting? Okay, everybody come meet in the cafeteria in 10 minutes. And then Flores gets up, stands on the lunch table and says, hey, guys, we're starting Tua next week. And Jim, I'm not, I'm not frustrated with you. I want to be clear about that. You know, this was a good question. But the people who, who do have so much criticism for how the Dolphins handled this, this had to, this was supposed to be handled in-house. But somebody who was told of the decision, either firsthand or secondhand, telling somebody else who then goes and tells Adam Schefter, that's how it whispered down the alley, right? And it, it gets out in the building. So yeah, I, I think... Big picture, the Dolphins probably would have loved for this to go public this week instead of last week. But here we are. Uh, Finn's up five. With the trade deadline coming, do you see the Dolphins making a run in another weapon like Juju Smith-Schuster or, or them using a draft pick on a wide receiver? I definitely think wide receiver is extremely likely. Juju Smith-Schuster is an interesting one because he is like a big slap. And he kind of fits the mold the Dolphins apparently like at wide receiver, which is these big physical dudes. Pittsburgh is brimming with wide receiver talent to the point where, like, up until this past week when Pittsburgh played Tennessee, like, it almost felt like Juju was getting phased out of the offense. I'd be super intrigued at the potential of adding Juju. The downside is if you trade for him now, you have to give up a pick and a contract. Where if Pittsburgh is planning on letting him walk, you can just give him the contract and not give up the draft pick. So that's the big conflict with Juju Smith-Schuster and the potential of adding him. At least in the here and now and not during the offseason, right? This football season will be different and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the league of football watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the past 20 years. So whether you need engine control modules, new brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? 
So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We get a handful of additional iTunes reviews, all five stars. Thanks, guys. Connor Lowry. Love the show. My question is, although this is probably far in the future, do you think that the guys who sat out this year, who opted out, the two wide receivers, can come back next year for the Dolphins and actually have an impact? So those players, uh, if they've slipped your mind, wide receivers Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson, uh, very different players. Uh, the Dolphins managed to rework Albert Wilson's contract uh, to keep him under contract, which seems to indicate that they'd be receptive to bringing him back. And I know Hearns got an extension, I believe, in season. Not a big one, not one that they couldn't move on from. I'd say this. I think Alan Hearns, probably his ideal role would have been the Isaiah Ford role as the kind of do-it-all slot. Not really going to separate versus man coverage, but he'll find spaces in zone in the middle of the field. Not really going to give you a lot after the catch. I think that's an upgradable position, and I do think Alan Hearns, um, not very dynamic, not very athletic. He's tough. Uh, I admire his toughness as a player, especially coming back from the ugly hit that he took against Dallas last year and the the leg injury that he had playing with the Cowboys the year prior in 2018. Uh, he's a tough dude. He's the kind of guy that you'd like to have in your locker room. I'd say that for sure. Uh, but just as far as if this receiver room is going to get to where we want it to be, a guy like Hearns is probably a fringe rosterable player. He, he'll have a role to play for somebody who doesn't have a lot of depth of wide receiver in the NFL. But if the Dolphins choose to invest in this position in the offseason, he might be an odd man out. As far as Albert Wilson, I think it depends on finding the right opportunities to invest speed. I do think the presence of Lynn Bowden and Malcolm Perry do make his long-term forecast as a veteran player who struggled with durability a little bit on the fringe. I, I would not be surprised if neither one of those players is back with the Dolphins next year, personally. Jackson. Kyle, love the pod. Well, we love you here at Locked on Dolphins. Jackson and Logan with this question. My brother and I were thinking about our offensive line. You've said center is a major need on our line by suggesting we take Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma with our second first-round pick. Do you see us going guard or tackle early in the draft and then moving one of our interior offensive linemen to center? How versatile is our line? And who, via the roster, draft, and free agency, do you see us filling our offensive line needs with? So this is a great question with a lot of layers to it guys um i'll i'll say this i do want to give ted karras some credit i do think ted karras over the course of the past three or four weeks uh, has played better than what he did early on in the season i think the dolphins have done a nice job kind of finding the sweet spot for uh, those b-level landmarks uh, for him whether it's in the screen game uh, they kind of ran like this texas screen i guess you, you might call it against uh San Francisco, and it was the third and 16 that they ran to get to fourth and one right before the fake punt when they ended up gouging San Francisco. They 
converted the fake punt on fourth down and three plays later were the end were in the end zone. Um and it was back runs kind of like what's referred to as a Texas route where you press out as if you were going to run a flat or an option slash choice route, and then you break back across the middle of the field. And all the, of the offensive linemen who were covered on the play stayed in and blocked their player, but if you were uncovered, you released onto the second level. And Ted Karras is uncovered, and he does a nice job kind of climbing and working out in front of the play and picks up a key block. And you're seeing some more positive reps out of Ted Karras over the course of the past couple weeks. So I do want to give him credit there. I'm not going to be super keen on adding tackles, personally. Uh, And I think Kinley at right guard is somebody who's probably the least positionally diverse and and flexible. Eric Flowers has played tackle in the past, and Robert Hunt is capable of kicking inside to guard uh, if need be. But if Kinley's going to play the way that he's played early on, I think they'll like him as a a potential long-term starter. So... That's kind of where it gets weird, right? Is I, I wouldn't advocate based on the early returns on Austin Jackson and Robert Hund to indra- to draft a tackle early. You know, you want to take a, a mid-round guy that can contend with Jesse Davis as a swing guy? That's fine. Flowers is under contract after this year for two more years. There's not a bunch of urgency, especially when you consider what you're paying him for somebody else to come in and take that job, which really only, in my opinion, gives like... I only really need to upgrade center if Karras is unable to sustain his level of play or if he decides he wants to price himself out, not get a contract extension with the Dolphins because he's on a one-year deal. So there is a feasible chance the Dolphins could return the same starting five next year as what we see when Austin Jackson's healthy. And I wouldn't hate it based on what we've seen in the first six games of the season. You project and extrapolate that over a full schedule. I think right now center is priority one to figure out who Ted Karras really is. Uh, And then from there, we need Austin Jackson healthy for sure to get Jesse Davis out of the lineup because Jesse Davis is the the worst starting offensive lineman on on the unit right now, in my opinion. Uh, B. Livy, power of the pod question. Great show, love the format, just the right amount of daily Dolphins content to feed my fix. Thank you. Also took you up on the Bilt Bar offer, got the peanut butter, and oh boy, as advertised. I'm not lying to you guys. I would never shamelessly pander product I didn't believe in. Let me just say that. Question. It hurt my heart to hear Fitz's heart was hurting about the QB switch. All reports I've seen commended for being a good mentor. If this is his last year playing, any chance we retain him on the coaching staff somewhere? Yeah, this is this is a, a, such a, a prominent question, and, and I love that Dolphins fans recognize the value that Fitz brings to the table, and they don't want to just let him walk out the building never to be seen ever again. And if Fitz, you know, Fitz said, you know, for the first time since Buffalo, this felt like a team that I was fully invested in, it was fully invested in me. You'd like to reward that, especially with how much of a impact he did have on the Dolphins' rebuild. So... If he's down for it, if he's ready to continue a career in football beyond playing, I know he's got like, what, seven kids? He's got a big family. So that's the thing and that's the challenge is when he decides he doesn't want to play anymore, is spending time with his family going to take precedent over anything else, at least in the short term? 
And if it is, you respect that. He spends time with his family. And when the itch comes back, the Dolphins, presuming this entire staff is still in place, you make it abundantly clear the door's open whenever you want to come. That's how I would handle it. Uh, sea bass my ass. <laughs> Thank you for your information on Fitz. The heart it took for him to bow out and your perspective making us see why we should see it from a different angle. Big bet. Uh, my favorite episode so far. Thank you. That is it for the Twitter questions, which means we've got about 10 minutes to run this freaking gauntlet here. <sighs> Tweet sent yesterday at 2.38 p.m. from Locked On Fins with a PH. If you're not following, starting to drop some memes in there throughout the course of the week. 49 replies. So, gauntlet thrown, challenge accepted. Let's do this. Kyle Adams, with Sean McVay reading defenses for Goff and pre-snap, do you think we have an advantage on defense since our system schemes pressure? Yes, this is this is a really great point, Kyle. Um, and, and I personally believe this just based on watching the Rams and Goff. And for, he kind of is what he is. And when he's comfortable, he's really, really good. But if you can make him uncomfortable and you can rattle his cage... He doesn't handle pressure well. He's not overly athletic within the pocket or extending plays. So how do those things add up? For the Dolphins, I think changing the picture, and because we're two, effectively now two months into the season, everybody's a little bit more comfortable and up to speed on what conceptually the Dolphins are trying to do. There's more meat on the bone with the playbook. And because of that, I think they have enough bags tricks in the bag that they can change this picture enough to keep them guessing and force him to hold the ball a little bit too long or throw into coverage. And and I do think physically speaking, the Dolphins defense, the Dolphins front six, seven, you know, depending on how many linebackers they have out on the field at any given time. I think they do have a physical advantage over the Rams offensive line. So you should be able to collapse the pocket around him a little bit to make him uncomfortable within the pocket. You add that with rotating safeties and changing the picture and you force him to have to read through his keys against not the defensive shell in the secondary that he thought he was going to have. And yes, I think that's one of the big points of emphasis for the Dolphins this week. Great point, Kyle. Jeremiah, how much of the red zone challenges can be tied to fits versus our receivers' difficulty creating separation? If it's the latter, is that something that is unique to Tua that can he can overcome? Another good question. I uh, was watching, you guys are going to continue to hear me name drop JT O'Sullivan on here quite a bit, but he's been talking about, he just dropped a, a video earlier in the week, or I guess it was over the weekend, the game-winning touchdown from the Eagles-Giants game last Thursday night was a wheel route to running back Boston Scott from Carson Wentz. And he talked about in the red zone, you have to be able to identify when a team is playing man coverage and recognize that when they're playing man coverage, especially in the red zone, even when a guy's covered, he's open. And what he, he means by that is a defender is really only when he's in coverage and his eyes are turned away from the quarterback, he's only really able to cover the width of the receiver's shoulders 
you have to be able to throw with pinpoint accuracy into that peripheral area. How many times, let me add, this is a great example. How many times have you seen Mike Kosecki run the seam in the red zone and Fitz tries to put it high and the ball's five yards out of the back of the end zone or he leaves it way outside? Because when you got to gear up, you got to get juice on your throw, you got to throw with pinpoint accuracy, Fitz is just, he's a little limited there. He's been more of a general accuracy guy. And that's okay. But I do think the accuracy of Tua will absolutely help in some of these tight window areas. Tua was asked to throw into tight windows at Alabama very infrequently. But when you review the charting of the times that he did do it, he did it at a very high level. Houston wants me to talk about the idea of drafting Rondale Moore instead of Jalen Waddell. I won't go too far into the weeds with the draft combo. Don't worry. But I will say this. Rondale Moore, wide receiver from Purdue, uh, he shredded Ohio State in 2018 in a really eye-opening performance. Purdue upset top five Ohio State, or uh, a top five Ohio State team that night. The concern with Rondale is Rondale has had now injury issues every single year he's been in college, including this year. He didn't play. Like, Big Ten started play this, this past week, and Rondell Moore did not play for Purdue. I don't know what the issue is right now. I don't know if it's COVID-related. I don't know if it's injury-related. But if it's injury-related, that's bad news for Rondell Moore hoping to go early in the draft. Because at some point, you got to be healthy. Your best ability is availability. And if you're not available to play, you don't do the team any good. So that's my apprehension at this point, Houston, with Rondell Moore. Jesse wants to know if Antonio Callaway will be able to provide a spark whenever his suspension is over. I think he's got... I think this is his last week on suspension, technically. I was never really a huge fan of Antonio Callaway throughout the his time with the University of Florida, throughout the pre-draft process in Cleveland. A lot of Miami's receivers to this point have done really well. Preston Williams has struggled at times addressing the ball at the catch point and with drops and, and efficiency with his targets versus his receptions. But a, a lot of the other guys have shown really good hands. Antonio Callaway does not have good hands. And I don't think he really gives you a lot of anything that you wouldn't already get from Jakeem Grant, personally. Inconsistent catching with your hands. A ton of speed. Not going to be a big impact in the offense because the Dolphins really don't do a lot of drop back, five, seven step deep set passing. That's kind of where I'm I'm conflicted. And he's he's not, in my opinion, he's more of a straight line guy than he is a guy who can win with the ball in his hands after the catch, which at least Jakeem gives you when he gets the ball. Nick wants to know if we are better on offense, defense, or special teams. Could a cage be made for each of the three? Um, Nick, I'm not quite sure if you're asking relative to 2019, which, yes, emphatically, we're better across the board, or if which of those three units would be our best this year. Um, which case, I would say, when the Dolphins have their two starting corners in Byron Jones... And Xavier Howard, they've had those that duo on the field for three games this year, and the Dolphins have yet to give up 200 passing yards in any of those three games. 
So I would say special team, the special teams is super consistent. It's very good. I'm sure I'm going to jinx either Jason Sanders or Mac Hat because they've been kicking the piss out of the ball lately. Special teams is very good. I've been impressed with special teams a ton this year. Uh, but I would put the defense ahead of the offense, as evidenced by we're top five scoring defense right now in the NFL. But only when we have all of those components healthy. We have some additional draft questions that I won't tackle today because we do have Rams this week. But Steve wants to know uh, if the Dolphins should go wide receiver or running back. We have looking for feedback on whether or not Dill Moses is a top five linebacker or not. Over under wins in the final 10 games. Here's, here's a good one from Dean. I would set it at five and a half. Is that bad? Should I not do that? I mean, here, here's, let's go through it. Teams that the Dolphins have remaining on their schedule with less wins right now than the Dolphins. Chargers, who have two. The Broncos, who have two. The Jets, who have zero. The Bengals, who have one. That's four. And then you have... Oh, excuse me, five Patriots. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, how could we forget? So that's five. There's five of the remaining 10 games are against teams with less wins than the Dolphins. And then you have the Raiders, who have the same amount of wins as the Dolphins at three. You've got Bills, Chiefs, Cardinals, and Rams with more wins remaining. I'd set it at five and a half. Can I take the over? And I wouldn't feel bad about it either. What else we got? Tone Toto. You're the offensive coordinator for the Rams game. You get the ball at your 25 to start. What is your first play? Freaking glance slant RPO. Let's go. I'm putting 20, I'm putting 12 personnel out there. So I've got a back and I got Two tight ends on the field, okay? And I'm going two by two. I'm putting the receivers to the field, and I'm putting the two tight ends to the boundary. I got Shaheen with his hand in the dirt. Gasecki put off the ball, two-point stance, immediately one by one yard outside of him to the short side of the field. To the open side of the field, I got Preston Williams on the boundary, and I got Devontae Parker in the slot. Devontae's off the ball. And I'm in pistol with Gaskin standing directly behind me. And I am running RPO to the slant to Parker in the flat. And I want to set the tone. That's my first play call if I'm calling the plays against the Rams. Kyle Smith is here to burn the Patriots to the ground. He says Bill Belichick is 56 and 67 without Tom Brady. Perhaps he's an average coach who lucked into the greatest quarterback ever. I don't think Bill's an average coach. I think Bill's a great coach. But I think Bill has made some missteps over the years in assembling a team that it's very easy to gloss over when you do have an elite quarterback. They don't have that anymore. So this is a team that has a bunch of players who opted out for the season. So they're a little shorthanded on that front. They have... Significant injuries on the offensive line. 
They're not good in the skill positions at all. They're not good at linebacker at all. They lost some depth due to opt-outs and injury on the defensive line. And we should all be sitting here rooting our tails off for as many Patriots losses as possible because if the Patriots have a stinky year, Bill Belichick is on the clock to catch Don Shula for the wins record. And I, for one, am not going to be one bit mad if he doesn't get there. Belichick is the second oldest coach in the league. Father time, he's on the clock. Right now, he's 40-something wins away. Good. Win four games this year. Win five games this year. That's where I'll leave this. Uh, There's some more Twitter questions I do want to get to this week, and because we did not have a game, I'll still have a little bit of flexibility throughout the week. So I'll revisit some more of these questions, guys, because you asked a ton of great questions today. The Patriots already having two wins, having to play the Jets twice still. Having other ample winnable games on the schedule. I you know, I don't think this team is going to fall apart at the seams to where they they finish the year 3 and 13. They're probably going to win based on the way they're playing right now between 6 and 8 games. But we don't need to worry even if they finish with 4 wins and the only two games that win the rest of the way against the Jets, even if they got three wins and they split with the Jets and the Jets magically managed to find another couple wins somewhere along the way, mathematically speaking, it's almost impossible for a team that wins four games to get the number one overall pick. So don't fear the Patriots getting Trevor Lawrence. It ain't going to happen. They win one more game the entirety of the season, and it becomes such a statistical anomaly that it's almost impossible that it's going to happen. Jets are a different story. We've kind of teased that a little bit on the show. But I was asked that about, you know, we don't want the Patriots to be dupad. They get they get Trevor Lawrence. No, they're, they're, they've won themselves out of that sweepstakes already, in my opinion. So no sweat. Kyle Krabs signing off. Power to the pod. Locked on Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening. I sincerely hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. We'll be at Hard Rock Stadium this Sunday. We got plenty of buildup. Three more shows this week to get us ready for game day against the Rams and two is for a start. So make sure you hit subscribe on the pod. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Hope to talk to you guys again tomorrow.